Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by APS Housekeeping. It's Amanda and her awesome cleaning team. They come to my house every couple of weeks, and they also clean several of my friends' houses. And let me tell you, I convinced almost every single person who uses Amanda to use her services for their own mental health. Plus you're supporting another small women-owned business, so that's always a win-win. But one of the best decisions I made for my own mental health and self-care was hiring a house cleaner. Why? Because I have plenty of other things to do and more things that I want to be doing than spending time cleaning the house. So instead of cleaning the house, I'm doing things like getting more work done, spending time with my family, going for a longer walk, all because I have Amanda and her awesome, awesome team to come help me out with all of those other tasks. So sorry, friends, if you're not in the South Jersey area, this isn't benefiting you so much, but if you are, stop what you're doing right now and reach out to Amanda. Let her know that you heard her ad on TikTok and you'll get a 20% discount on your first service. You can reach Amanda at 609-998-1471 and you'll thank me later. Hi everyone, today I'm sitting here with Colleen Werner, and if you don't know Colleen, you are really missing out. Colleen, why don't you introduce yourself and I'll talk about how we met. Yeah, so I'm Colleen Werner. I currently hold a LPC MHSP temp license, which basically means I'm a therapist who practices under supervision, and I'm currently based in Nashville, Tennessee, but I grew up on Long Island in New York and moved here I guess about three years ago, a little bit more than three years ago. And I'm kind of a number of things. Um, I'm a therapist. I'm a dancer. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm also a part-time content creator slash influencer. So a lot of different things. And mostly as far as um, the therapy clients I work with do a lot of work with eating disorders and trauma and my own journey of recovering from anorexia, anxiety, depression, and PTSD brought me to do this work. Um, And I also live with ADHD, which is something that is always fun and interesting to navigate for sure. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, I can relate to that. You forgot the part where you uh, wrote an entire book. (laughs) Yes, I guess there is. Yeah, there is also that. In 2019, um, I published my first book, Brief Girl Healing. Um, kind of a combination of memoir, workbook, self-help situation that, yeah, all about my journey and a lot of stuff that went into my recovery. And it's also cool because that was before I was even in grad school. I was still finishing up my senior year of undergrad. So it's definitely really interesting to look at that now and kind of how there are things that are the same and how a lot of things have changed and all that, which I think it would be cool. I definitely at some point 
I want to at least write another book. I'll probably, I mean, knowing myself, who knows, maybe I'll end up, especially because I like to fill my plate with too many things. I was like casually, <laughs> maybe you know, in between yeah. your other seven jobs. Sure, just write another book. <laughs> exactly. Uh, your book's definitely been on my read list. And whatever, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you add things to your read list and that list gets super long. Oh, yeah. And then I no, see you and I'm like, way. I see you and then I'm like, oh shit, I still haven't read Colleen's book. Like no, it's one of those so things. so many books like that for me. I didn't realize that you were still in high school. I knew that you well, were- Well, no, I wasn't in high school. I was an undergrad. You, okay. You were an undergrad. You weren't in yeah, grad no. school yet, but still yeah. like, again, you had even less time. I feel like then, yeah. and still just being so young and being able to chronicle, like, these are the things that- I did. And this is what my healing journey looks like. I met Colleen on the gram, um, as they say, because she was just doing a ton of cool stuff. And then I was really lucky enough to have her as the DBTSL Jersey social media manager. Many of you messaged me and would say things like, I love this post you did. And I was like, it wasn't me. (laughs) It was Colleen. And they were like, what? So just like a testament to your work. Um, But one of the things that really drew me to you was the fact that you had this background in mental health. You were going to school to be a therapist. You had a background in DBT, but that was all through your own therapy that you had learned these different things. And so there really was no one else better. I mean, it's a testament to the fact that we still don't have a social media manager (laughs) since you left because I'm like, well, Colleen's not doing it. So I don't know. So it just kind of (laughs) remains there. But um, tell me a little bit about the beginning. Like, you know, I think about the book and how at that point, you know, you started writing the things down and you had come to some level of recovery. But then even as you introduced yourself and you talked about the book, I could kind of hear in your voice and tell me if I'm wrong. You said, well, that's interesting looking back at that because now time has since passed and healing, you know, it's not this, okay, I'm here. I did it. Bye-bye. It's done. It just kind of keeps going. And so- I'm curious about all of that from your perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a very interesting journey with that. I mean, I wrote the majority of the book. Actually, it was before I even moved to Nashville that I was in Nashville for my winter break because me and my boyfriend, who have now been together for four years and have been living together for three, we were kind of doing a trial run because I was going to be moving to Nashville for grad school. And he was living here. And we're like, you know what, let's see if living together works. So for like my whole winter break, so basically like all of December of 2018, I was here in Nashville. And because I was on break from school, I didn't have schoolwork I needed to be doing. I mean, I was doing work as a freelance social media manager And I mean, I was doing some level of influencer things, but not to the extent I am now. It wasn't like I was frequently doing things with brands, Mm -hmm. but I spent a lot of that time because it was that September, I think, that I had signed my contract for the book. And so that December was when I did the majority of the writing where my boyfriend would go to work. Um, I was also sharing his car at that point. So what I would do is when he was going to work in the morning, he would drop me off at a Starbucks near his job. I would stay there for like, I don't even know how many hours. I mean, not all of that time was spent writing, but it was mostly just write, write, write. And yeah, it was a very interesting experience, especially because I've been a writer for basically my whole life as a kid. I loved writing, especially my kindergarten teacher was amazing. Um, Her name was Mrs. Bianco. And she very much encouraged reading, writing, and we would be able to like write books and like little books in her class that she would like 
I'm sure it's much more developed for kids these days, but like we would have like where she would end up like binding them. Um, oh my gosh. Was, like, yeah. And like, it was like, it was kind of like one of those like paper, I don't even know how to explain it, but like had like a plastic binding and, but it felt so cool. And it was like, oh, like this is something that's been, that she's really encouraging. And I think that really kept writing in my blood. And also a lot of people in my family, right? My aunt um, was a college level English teacher, not English teacher, writing teacher. I mean, I guess that's an English teacher, but writing teacher for many years. My brother also is a writer, just kind of a lot of line of writers in my family. So that was something that was always really encouraged. I had gone to a arts camp for two years where I was a creative writing major there. So it was just something that was really fostered. And also with my Instagram, as that evolved, a lot of my captions were long captions where I was writing. And that's, and also I had been doing some blog post stuff. I was also writing articles like, Many years ago, HuffPost used to have this college program where certain people were selected and you were able to work with their team. Unfortunately, my cohort, I think, was the last cohort and they kind of phased that out. But that was really cool because I had this experience of writing things and we weren't guaranteed to be promoted by them. But I had several of my articles that were promoted by them and pushed on their social media and all that. So it made me feel really validated in my writing and I think felt a lot stronger in it. It was definitely a really cool experience and I think really healing in its own way of kind of looking at all of these different experiences I've had from when I was a kid and especially as I'm sure you know both as a therapist and with your own journey that we go through a lot of shit and Mm -hmm. I think being able to look at it from this, I think, lens also, because I think it's so important with writing and storytelling, especially when connected to mental health, trauma, eating disorders, all of these things to be doing it in a really responsible way so that it's not just like complete trauma dump, like (laughs) going to be super, super triggering for people. And so it was interesting sharing it in that way. And especially because I think it gives it a lot more power because it doesn't have to be about all of the like nitty gritty details of a terrible experience. It can Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, hey, here's a general idea of this shit that I've gone through. And also like, here's the part, like, here's how I evolved. Here's how I worked through this. And also here are these things I was able to take from those experiences, of course, like with myself and also with my therapy clients, I'm always like, you never have to, you don't have to find a silver lining. You're not required to find a silver lining in anything you've been through. And for me... I think especially once I've given myself space with different things I've gone through to like really grieve that and to be pissed off about it and to not be like, no, I'm not going to find something that I found positive or not even positive, but maybe meaningful. And then with time, I think for me, once I've had a level of separation, being able to see like, okay, what did I take from these things? And of course, I would never wish for anyone to go through the things I experienced and I wouldn't be the person I am now without those things. All of my struggles between my eating disorder, trauma, all of that brought me to where I am today. And they're what made me want to be a therapist. They're what made me want to share my story online. And it's been what's connected me with so many amazing people. I mean, especially so many of my like really good friends now I met through social media and some of them are people Some of them I've never met. Some of them I've met like once or twice and we still have this amazing connection. And I was able to build so much of my own healing that way. 
And I think it just really informs my work as a therapist now, especially because I mostly work with folks of, you know, of course, everybody has their own story. Everybody's history looks different, but a lot of my clients have similar types of struggles. And I think my own experiences give me a really different lens than, of course, like, I don't think someone has to have been through an experience to be able to be a a good therapist for that kind of struggle. And I think it just gives a different layer of knowledge combined with the clinical knowledge I have to be like, okay, especially when clients are really, really in the thick of it, that I'm able to have so much more compassion when I know I've been there. I'm like, okay, I know when I've been in this place. I know when I was in the place where I didn't want to recover. I know when I was in the place of relapse and being able to meet that person where they're at and being able to take like, okay, can I put myself back in those shoes for a second? Not that like my brain is going to be like running with those things, but like, Hey, what was it like in those moments? Um, And I guess back to the piece you were saying as far as how like looking back on it and things are different and all that. Cause it was, I mean, that was my senior year of college of undergrad when I, published that it was actually like I think it was like a week or so before my graduation which was definitely interesting and yeah no it was very cool and also had a lot of imposter syndrome around that because I was like okay I'm not even in grad school it's such a vulnerable I mean I can't even imagine like that's got to be such a vulnerable I, I think about writing in general especially the way that you're talking about it as a part of what a healing picture could look like. And I know a lot of times I recommend that clients journal or free write just to be able to have another way to process emotion and get it out. And myself not having any experience formally in writing or anything like that. I always, for myself, when I think about writing things down, I think like, Ooh, but it's so permanent once you write it down Mm. and that feels so vulnerable. So I can't imagine, especially when you're about to graduate, because it's kind of like all eyes are on you. You're you're finishing this big period in your life and you're getting ready to move on to the next thing. And then also I just wrote this book about some things that have probably been kept quiet for a long time. And and it's still even on, I'm thinking also from the lens of being someone who writes on social media and how vulnerable that is like to put yourself out there and just open yourself up to immediate feedback. At least when people have a book in their house, it's a while before they go and put a review up. But like social media, it's just there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious about like your level of vulnerability with all of these things. You're saying that you use that in your work with your clients. It helps you to really have more compassion to see their side. I'm sure to keep you patient, like for them to feel like you really get it. But I'm curious about the not so great side of that Mm. and how that might be scary or painful to open yourself up in that way. This episode is brought to you by Rebel Mente and the Embodied Healing Training. It's a 15-hour training for yoga teachers, helping professionals, educators, and really anybody that wants to have a positive influence on somebody they know, or maybe even themselves if they've endured some sort of trauma. When I was a new yoga teacher, I thought that I was set in being able to help utilize yoga with my trauma clients because I was already a trained mental health professional at that point. And so finishing yoga teacher training, I thought, okay, I can just put these things together and that'll be fine. Turns out that that wasn't true and I had to fill in a lot of gaps and I took a deep dive into training 
to help get to where I am today. On the other side, in my clinical work, I knew that there were many clients of mine who would say things like, well, I logically get why I shouldn't feel this way anymore, but I still feel this way in my body. And so it just seemed like there was a branch missing to connect mind and body and they needed more somatic resources. So all of that has brought me to now. I created the embodied healing training to help other professionals with these same kind of problems. And the training is held in person March 10th through the 12th. It's 15 hours long and it'll be at the DBT of South Jersey Yoga Studio. You can find all of the information and sign up on rebelmente.com under the yoga tab. Make sure to sign up as soon as you can because there's only a small amount of spots available. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah, no, it definitely can be really scary. And I think when I was writing the book, and I think especially now that I've had so much separation, I mean, that was 2019. So what that was like, four years ago, or am I counting wrong? No, I don't guess it'll be four years next year, whatever. (laughs) Math doesn't clearly I'm not good at math. That part doesn't matter that much. But anyway, that I've had the separation from that. And I think also separation from kind of what my social media looked like before I was in grad school. And I mean, I think like anything that as humans we have all, but I think especially with the book that a lot of things, I mean, especially like the things about my journey didn't so much like those things are like factual history of what happened. So that stuff, I mean, of course it's like the vulnerability of it is definitely there. And I think was a challenge. And I think also it's hard for the things that have changed, like as far as things that have evolved about like things that were mentioned about friends that like I was really close to then and some of them I am still really close to and some of them I'm not or different things like because there was a section where I was writing about family and there are things that are very much the same and there are things that are also different or things that at different points have gone back and forth um, as far as my relationship with my parents and different things within family structure that I think seeing those changes has been challenging. And I think continually reminding myself that like, okay, this book was published at this time. And that's like the experiences of that. And that was my reality at that moment in time. And it's not like so much of it is so vastly different that it's Mm -hmm. like, not something I'm proud of, because I definitely am super proud of it. And I think with the social media piece, especially with what you said around, yeah, like a book, it usually takes people however much time to read if they end up, I mean, I know there are plenty of books I've bought and then end up never reading. And then I'm like, oh, no, I really wanted to read that one. But anyway, with social media, where it's just there, and also with how, especially with Instagram, like with how algorithms work, that a lot of times posts pop up on your feed that aren't even people you follow. So like with a book, it's likely that either someone was seeking it out or saw it on a shelf or whatever, but it's not the same as like, oh, my post pops up on someone's feed and they may or may not like that. (laughs) Um, And I've been very grateful to have a really, for the most part, largely super, super supportive community and a lot of really great support. And there definitely are a lot of trolls, haters, whatever you want to call them. And it is really challenging. And I think also with the piece of being a therapist now, and this also was something this kind of evolution happened once I was in grad school, especially once I started seeing clients in my internship, that the way that I share now is very different than like my account started out as just a recovery account. And I had no idea I wanted to be a therapist. 
Mm-hmm. So the way I was talking about things or things I was sharing were very different than what I might share now. True. Especially because I mean, A, because I'm just at a different point in my healing. So it's not like the same things that I would be talking about with the day in day out struggle of recovery. I mean, recovery is always something that's in my brain, but it's not like, oh, I'm thinking about this in every moment of my day. Mm-hmm. And I think this balance, especially, I mean, I'm sure that you know, this experience too, of how oftentimes in grad school, I mean, especially as social media has evolved, and also because a lot of professors because they're typically people who are experts and people who have been in the field for longer don't always have the same understanding of it or just understand the evolution, which is totally understandable, especially when that's not something that's been on your radar in the some the same way. And I think it is really hard when there are so many gray areas as far as ethics and norms and things like that, especially because I know there are some schools of thought where it's like, nope, you shouldn't have any public social media as a therapist. You should right. only have private accounts and whatever. And like, I get that for sure, because sometimes it's really hard for people to separate, okay, what's appropriate for me to be sharing where clients could be seeing it and what's not. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful. I mean, my current supervisor slash boss, or I guess both of my supervisors for licensure and then my boss, and then also my school advisor slash supervisor when I was still in school have all been really supportive of my work online. And I think because they know that I'm always very aware and conscious of what I'm putting out, I'm not just posting something and being like, whatever, I don't care. I mean, as far as like on a public account. And yeah. they also know that I'm always very open to receiving feedback around that. And I think it's something also that I'm very clear with disclaimers on my page too. Like I have it in a story highlight and I'm like, right. here are all these things. And especially lining out when I most recently updated my disclaimers, where I said, you know, this page shares multiple facets of me. I am not just a therapist. And of course, I share things about therapy on this page. I'm like, I'm not your therapist. And I'm not a therapist 24-7, especially because there are often people that I have had times of people who have had negative feedback for me around like different things where people have commented, well, you're a therapist, so you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't post that or shouldn't act like that. And I'm glad it's becoming more popular or maybe not more popular, but talked about more as far as us being more than just therapists, because I think it's this expectation that like, oh, I'm a therapist. So everything I do has to come from the vein of me being a therapist. And I have to act like I'm a therapist all the time. And like, of course, my values as a therapist and human in general are the same, but my clients aren't, while I'm friendly with my clients, my clients aren't my friends because people have said, because there was something something I had said about not being able to have friends with particular political beliefs and people were like, well, what would you say to a client? And I'm like, that's fine. Like I have clients of all different walks of life and that's different. Like I can be a professional. Yeah. Different parts, different parts of yourself calling for and different parts of yourself having different limits, which makes a lot of sense because that's kind of how we operate in general. We don't really operate exactly the same that we do at work with our colleagues and we do in our relationships. And so I'm glad you said that because I think in some regards that could be seen as like inauthentic, but I actually think it makes a lot of sense. In terms of social media, I'm thinking about what are, so you talk a little bit about ways in which it can build a lot of connection and community and help people, clients, or anyone who's looking for some sort of healing. They could have a sense of validation by looking at 
oh, wow, here's, you know, this girl, Colleen, and she has these thousands of followers and she's, you know, a brand ambassador for these different things and doing all of these real cool things. And at the same time, look, like she shares that she has had anorexia and that she strives to be someone that has this body positive stance, but struggles with that at times. Like you share all of those things. And so there's that aspect of it. And then there is the aspect of it that can be really damaging for people. So opening themselves up to comments, haters, all of those things, whether they have a public account or whether they have a private account. And I guess I'm wondering, like, because social media, this is the other thing that you mentioned, professors have less because, you know, most professors are, they've been teaching for a while. And so they maybe didn't grow up during the times of social media. And this came up um, recently. I was listening to another podcast that had, I don't even remember what the topic was, but the girl was talking about how she found a therapist and the therapist you know, she had this whole interaction about getting ghosted by some guy and she's mm-hmm. reading the text message out loud. And the therapist is like, well, let's check the facts. Like, you know, and she was like, yeah, but you can't just say that all at the time. Like you have to pay attention yeah. to the tone and to the emojis, like whether we like it or not, it's here and it is real communication. Oh, yeah. And there's this whole, there are these generations growing up learning the lingo of that. Whereas like, I think our training hasn't had all of that. So like, you're not going to find- Definitely what this might mean on a DBT worksheet, but that doesn't mean that it's not real or happening. And so I say all of that because I'm curious, like what issues do you generally find clients having when it comes to social media? Because there are a lot of positives, but there are a lot of negatives. Like people can get really lost in social media. They can have a lot of comparative thoughts in social media can make them feel worse. And so what are the things that you think people need to be mindful of when social media is kind of interwoven into their life and then that naturally hits into being more healing or being more harmful? Yeah, um, definitely. Topic that comes up often, and I think one of the biggest ones, which I think is a thread with a lot of things, but boundaries, uh, which can be really hard. And I think even harder when we're in this space post-2020 where Back for so long when we all were stuck at home that understandably we were spending so much more time on technology on social media because of that connection piece of like, okay, I can't be with my people. How can I connect with them? Or how can I learn about these things? And I think in this space where we're now in the end of 2022, and there's a lot of change, I think rebuilding boundaries that are very different, especially when you are not just at home. And I think especially for people who work in social media, whether that's someone who's an influencer or someone who's a social media manager or something like that, or a business owner like that does their own social media or whatever, I think it's very easy to get the lines blurred between what you're doing on social media for work and what you're doing as far as social media for pleasure Mm -hmm. in the sense of how much time spent on there, which is something I struggle with and I'm working on myself. So I think it is really hard also for me when there are times when I'm on my phone a lot more than I would like or that my boyfriend would like that I'm like, oh, well, like this is my job. So like, it's fine. It's like, okay, but you're not doing your job 24 seven and needing to be aware of that. So even I've set boundaries with myself that on work nights that after like 730, eight-ish at night, I shut down all my social media apps for the night. And it's been really helpful. I mean, it's definitely hard because in the past, I've been someone who like scrolls until I go to bed, Mm -hmm. have like 
falling asleep scrolling, mm-hmm. all of that, which I'm sure other people have mm-hmm. too. But yeah, and I think setting those boundaries has been really helpful for me because I do use social media for enjoyment too, for connection, all these things. And so I think setting boundaries like that, especially if you're someone who works in social media. And then also just for people in general, I think having those boundaries as far as how much time is spent. And I think also who you're following is a big thing too, because it is so easy to get stuck in that comparison trap. And how, of course, there is a lot of real life on social media. And there's a lot of things that either even if they're not totally fake, things that are altered, things that are edited, or like you're only seeing a look into someone's day and or life, and it might be like, oh my god, this person seems to always be doing these amazing things. And maybe they're not always doing all those amazing things. And their life looks a lot different, which I know is a very common thing. And I think this comes into play, especially as far as things related to bodies and eating disorders and body acceptance. I think having to be really aware, and I mean, I've done it myself and very frequently urge my clients, especially those struggling with eating disorders, to look at who you're following. And unfollow people who you find yourself comparing your body to, people that make you feel bad about your body, or as far as food, like, okay, if this person is constantly posting about dieting or demonizing different foods, things like that, that you have permission to unfollow them, which I think can also be harder that there have been times where I've had to, and it's not so much that's happened like recently, but in the past where I had to unfollow people who I knew like personally because it was just like, okay. And especially, I think it happened a lot with people from high school and things like that. Um, And so that, I think, has a lot of power because, of course, we can't totally control because, like I mentioned earlier, how with algorithms that things can pop up on our feed that aren't even things we're following. Mm -hmm. And at least with the pieces we can control, if we're being, if we're playing that active role there can be really helpful. And another thing that is great, and I mean, it's not foolproof, but Instagram, and I want to say Facebook because they're both owned by Meta, but I know Instagram recently, and I forgot exactly how to do it, but they have a way where you can now block certain types of ads uh, and where you can block things that are related to all different topics, but especially like weight loss, dieting, things like that, Mm -hmm. which is a really great feature, I think, for people in general, but especially for people in recovery. Um, And on the recovery piece, I think being really conscious, because I know for me, early in recovery, I followed primarily eating disorder recovery oriented accounts. And I think that can be helpful. And I think it also can become an identity thing Yeah. of like, okay, all I'm thinking about all day, every moment recovery, is recovery, recovery. And also how there can be a lot of comparison there yeah. as far as progress and things like that. And also because there can be accounts that are really triggering in the sense of like, oh, this person is posting exactly what they're eating, or this person is posting in detail about their relapse or whatever. And so I think really just being mindful and intentional and having to look at that and looking at your intentions of why you're on social media, what your goals are. And it's really hard to hold to that too. But I think just a lot of reflection and intentionality there. Yeah, I love that because that's not just relevant for, I mean, when before you said it, I'm thinking, oh, this is really important for people who struggle with eating disorders because of the body image component, constantly comparing and comparing some many times to something that's not even real, and then getting perpetually stuck on that thought. But then 
I was thinking like, this is also just a great habit for your own mental health, regardless of whether you feel like you're struggling with anything. Like do the people you're following align with your values and the things that you want to really like manifest in your life. And just because you don't follow your uncle on Twitter or Instagram, because you hate the posts that he puts about politics, doesn't mean that you can't then decide to go like sit down and have dinner with him. And maybe you decide not to, but I think that's like a really important distinction, even for me to say out loud, because you were talking about how, how hard it is to unfollow people. And it feels like such a, oh, you've unfollowed me. I guess we're not talking now. And it really doesn't have to be like that. It's just kind of like, for the benefit of our relationship, I'm going to just put the silence on the notifications, whenever you say something, (laughs) because especially if I'm, if this is someone that I'm choosing to keep having in my life, or maybe some people don't feel like they have the choice and they know that they're going to be around these people and they hate what they're putting out there on social media. And so, you know, maybe that's a way that you can protect your own energy, your own mental health, but also realizing like an unfollow doesn't have to mean that I'm I'm never speaking to you again. It doesn't have to be that serious. And I think a lot of times we, and I know myself too, like if I find out someone unfollowed me, I'm like, oh my God, she unfollowed me. Can you even believe it? But then it's like, okay, (laughs) who cares? You know? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I think it is a tricky place when there are people who you're trying to keep a relationship with. I think especially with family, it can be really hard. I think the mute button is a hopeful one, especially if you're like, okay, like, not that there should be anything wrong with someone seeing you unfollowed them. But especially if you're like, okay, I don't want this person to see that I've unfollowed them, but I'll mute them. So their stuff doesn't come up in my feed. Yeah. I love that. So we talked about ways to change your relationship with social media, hopefully for the better, things to be looking out for. I want to end with the writing piece again, only because it's been such a huge pillar for you in your own recovery. And I know that there are a lot of perfectionistic people out there who want to write, and maybe people have recommended it to them to be a part of their own processing but they think that they're not good at it or it has to look a certain way. And so I just want to end with what's one tip that you can give someone who's looking into writing or self-expression in that way, even if it's through social media or blog posts, or maybe they want to write their book or a story, whatever it is, what's your tip for them to get started? Yeah, I think a big thing is knowing that you don't have to share it with people. Of course you can. Mm. And I think that can be a really powerful thing. And it doesn't have to be for anyone else. It can be, especially if you're in a place of, okay, I think people might judge me or this feels too vulnerable, that it can be just for you. And of course it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be, but knowing this doesn't have to be for anyone. This doesn't have to be something public. This doesn't have to be something that's shared. It can be something that's just this internal thing. And I think Sometimes it's hard for me to come back to that even. I've been trying to journal more myself and things like that. And I think trying to go into it with a non-judgmental stance of being like, okay, this is just what it is. And I think sometimes, which I know can feel intimidating, but I know I often find helpful is kind of just like brain dumping. And like, maybe you set a timer, maybe you don't have some music going and kind of just see what comes out. And of course, I think for some people having different journal prompts or whatever can be helpful. And I think sometimes just seeing what comes out of your brain can be useful. Or if you're someone who, you know, writing it down doesn't help, maybe putting it in the notes in your phone or whatever it is, whatever way of getting words out is going to be helpful for you, I think is big. And I think the non-judgmental piece is the biggest one. 
Key, for sure. Awesome. Where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram and my Instagram is at Colleen M. Werner. That's also my TikTok handle. And then also my website, I'm not super active on, but it's ColleenMWerner.com. But yeah, Instagram is the most active place that you'll find me. Yeah, definitely check her out. She's always got a wealth of stuff on there, particularly. I just, I most recently love like what I'm wearing to the office today, like, and your um, dance videos when you're dancing and moving around the office. They're my favorite ones. So definitely check her out. And we'll link all of her information in the show notes if you want to hear more about Colleen, her book, where you could see her if you're in the Nashville area looking for therapy. So thank you so much for being a guest today, Colleen. I'm sure that people will get a lot out of this because I feel like social media, it just feels like a big beast. And like you're saying, it can be used for for good and it can be used in ways that are that can be kind of harmful. So I appreciate you sharing these different thoughts and guidelines with us. And until next time, take care, everybody. All right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.